Welcome to the Hidden Wire Podcast, episode 1085. My interview with Jared Getz, and we're discussing his entrepreneurial journey to success. Enjoy. Hey, Jared, welcome to the Hidden Wire Podcast. Great to have you here today. It's my pleasure. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Whereabouts are you? You've been playing some golf today? Yeah, I uh, I live in Texas, in San Antonio, so it's uh, it's quite hot, but uh, I'm, I live here on a golf course, so just popped out, played nine. I actually did a podcast myself, and uh, my guest is also a golfer, so just took him out afterwards, and uh, yeah, I'm over here in Texas. No, so you bring guests into the studio there and do your podcast live with them? Yep. I, it's actually, I, I had a podcast a couple of years ago and uh, it just wasn't the right time. I was you know, very busy with other things and prioritizing yeah. other things. But yeah, I just restarted it up, new brand, built out a studio here. And uh, yeah, just, it's it's kind of a newer venture of mine, newer, newer project. So what, what's your podcast? It's called Zen Hard. And it's uh, basically you know, deconstructing the inner worlds of, uh, you know, major achievers in different areas of life and trying to derive tools and tactics and habits and useful information for people who are listening to be able to, you know, add to their arsenal and, and to improve their lives. So Zen Achiever? Zen Hard. Zen Hard. And you, you're, you're focusing on successful people? Any particular yeah. fields or like? Really like, you know, if someone's achieved financial success, for the most part, I'd say 80% of those people have, you know, figured out different ways of being, you know, different thought patterns, different habits, and things that allow them to, you know, get a certain energy, a certain vibration that let the, you know, make the world work for them. So no particular field, you know, I'm from, I come from the e-commerce space. That's where most of my career has been. Uh, but really anyone who's vibrant, who's kind of got like the, you know, the it factor, magnetic people that you just want to be around that give off good vibes. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that you know, just people that have, have done cool things in life. Yeah, cool. So first, I just want to go into that, that um, the word success, um, because when you say success, and I know your background briefly, and we'll get into that in a second, but what is success to you? What is, how do you define that? Yeah. I mean, it's the definition has certainly changed uh, for me mm-hmm. over the course of my career. Uh, I'm 32 now. And, you know, I got started as an entrepreneur back when I was 17. Um, originally, success was when I could buy supercars and, uh, you know, With have supercars. money. Yeah. yeah that, that was, I remember I was uh, 16 and I was visiting my grandma in Florida and we were driving my grandmother's van, me and my friend. And we saw a young guy, he looked like he was in his late 20s, early 30s, and he was driving a Lamborghini. And in my head, I was like, that's success. Like, I want to be like that guy. Now, I'd say, you know, I, I was I was fortunate and lucky to achieve some financial and material success when I was younger. And I was able to buy the stuff, do the, you know, exquisite travels, really indulge in some of the things that I thought would make me feel fulfilled and feel happy, only to find that there's still a void. There's still a something that needs to be filled. And, you know, since I've kind of went, started going down this personal development journey, success to me is rem- remembering and realizing each day what it is we are, you know, re-realizing who we are and falling back in line with our purpose. That's success to me. When you can, at the end of the day, you know, say, hey, I made all the right decisions today. 
I was, uh, you know, I was compassionate. I gave back. I did things for other people. And you didn't, you know, didn't maybe make reactionary decisions or impulsive decisions. That's success to me. And I know that the other stuff follows that. So that's kind of how I define success. So you've had a, a fairly um, early um, well, success in the material sort of form and financial form, e-commerce. Um, tell us a little bit about that journey and how you got into that. Yeah. So uh, originally I got, uh, you know, I, I've been like, I grew up with a single mom in a one bedroom apartment, only child. You know, my mom was always working two or three jobs and I always knew I wanted something more than that, you know, and, and our experiences create our reality. So my reality was, this is what life is like. You need to work, uh, you know, multiple jobs to get by, even though I knew it was possible to do other things for me in my reality, it wasn't possible. So I always wanted to do more. I was trying a bunch of things to kind of try to break that, that, uh, that pattern and uh, I got started like real early on renting houses in the Hamptons for about a month at a time. And then I would what, rent what them. What do you mean renting? Yeah. Like I would take a house for like the month of June. I would rent it for the call like 20 or $30,000. And then I would rent it out each weekend, like sublease it to prom groups because it was hard for them to get places to go to for a party. It was a, it was a hustle. It was a grind. I was, you know, 17, 18, just trying to figure out how to make money. And, you know, that venture, although it wasn't really a, I wouldn't call it a smart thing to do, or it was definitely not something I would do now. It did lead me to my next career, which was, we essentially gave this house to a, a prom group that was struggling to find a place to go to. And we helped them last minute. And the person who was kind of like leading that group, trying to, you know, figure it out for them, that individual's brother, her brother was one of the biggest concert promoters on the East coast. And he was like four years older than me. Um, he was like the pinnacle of success in my eyes. You know, he was throwing these big shows, you know, flying on private jets with major artists. And since we did a favor for his sister, uh, he said, Hey, we have two concert tours coming through your college. You have Steve Aoki and Lupe Fiasco. If you want to be 50, 50 partners, I'll give you that opportunity. Just come up with half the money for the shows. You can promote them and you guys could essentially split the profits with us. And we did. And uh, first night, so we had two sh- two concerts back to back. It was a Tuesday night and a Wednesday night. Mm. Tuesday night was Steve Aoki, a big DJ. We sold out and we made about 50 grand in profit, which was like what my mom would make in a year. And I was like, oh my God, this is what I'm doing now. And then the next night with Lupe Fiasco, we lost $50,000. So we ended up breaking even, but showed me that throwing shows is a cool way to make money. So mm. from there, I started looking at the drawing board you know, why did we lose $50,000? How could we have done better? And I realized we we're paying the artist a tremendous amount of money. So if we could build our own show with our own attractions, we could save a bunch of those costs and make more money. So we came up with the idea to throw the world's largest foam party. Like literally like, you know, we had cannons that would shoot foam in the air and we had DJs and we made this whole experience, which was cool. Um, I made my first million dollars when I was 21 we did shows all over the country. We were selling out, you know, major venues, but I didn't really know how to manage a business. I was young. I was overly ambitious. I was overly confident. I was using ticket sale money from one show to fund this. And I was just on go, 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 go mode. Not much reflection, not much planning. And we booked a show uh, at an arena and we didn't budget right. We didn't forecast right. And essentially we put most of our money into it. And we didn't sell enough tickets and we lost all of our money 
And on top of that, we couldn't pay certain vendors and certain investors. And it left me in a position where I had, uh, I had gotten sued. I was like 23 at this time. And there was a, there was a kid who inherited $50 million. He was like a trust fund kid. He wanted to be a famous DJ. So I was like, yeah, if you want to invest in the show, you could play on the main stage and you'll get your pro rata share of profits. Unfortunately, we couldn't pay him back his investment and his trust fund manager made him sue me personally, not for 50,000, but for 250,000 for a bunch of punitive damages and civil theft and all these scary things that put me in a really stressed position. Mm, so I ended up, I ended up having to move back in with my mom. At this point, I'm 24. Uh, I had built up this whole version of myself in my head, but my reality did not match what I thought I was. You know, I'm sleeping on my mom's couch. And uh, essentially from there, started getting into personal development. Um, right. Long story short, and I can kind of dive into any area you'd like me to. I started getting into e-commerce and yeah. that's where it really took off. How did you get me. into e-commerce? Because you, you're the, the CEO and founder of Zendrop. You still own that or did you yes. sell that on? No, I'm st- I still own that. I'm still CEO. Yeah. Um, so after, so I was 24, you know, mm-hmm. back in my mom's apartment, I read a book called The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Somebody recommended right. it. Yeah. Um, it's a story about a college student who wants to be uh, an Olympic uh, gymnast and he meets this gas station attendant and the gas station attendant teaches him that, you know, life is about, you know, doing good things for yourself, going on walks, meditating, reflecting. It was like a big eye opener for me. So I was like, I got nothing to lose. I'm very stressed. I'm anxious. I'm depressed. My life is not where I want it to be. Yeah. So I simply started getting up earlier, going on walks, sitting on, you know, on a bench by the water. It was like a 15-minute walk from where my mom was. And just letting go, you know, just trying to not be stressed. And right when I kind of started doing that, the universe gave me my next opportunity. It was, uh, there was a startup called Yik Yak. I'm sure a lot of listeners know of it because it was really big for about two years. Um, They raised a series A, $10 million, and they emailed me. They're like, hey, we want to sponsor your shows. I was like, well, I don't have any shows anymore because I lost everything. But I was like, if I were you, I would do these things. I just try to give some value. And they're like, hey, you want to come on and do it for us? So Essentially, I, I took the opportunity and my job was to create um, a campus tour. So it was a social media app that I had to you know, market, essentially. Mm. So we got a tour bus. We got you know, eight people to come on the bus. We had to get a driver. We had to wrap the bus. We got a, a yak mascot. We got a mechanical bull that we converted to a yak. We made this whole thing. And we took the bus um, on the west coast of the U.S. up from Washington State all the way down to Arizona and we stopped at 35 schools and the app blew up from about 100,000 monthly active users to 10 million monthly active users in four months. So I ended up selling my shares in that company. I had some stock option mm. and I, I sold my shares. I settled my lawsuit. And then I went to uh, China to the Canton Fair because I wanted to see, you know, I wanted to look at what kind of products are out there. I wanted to sell products online. And I got lucky. I discovered uh, hoverboards before anyone had ever seen hoverboards. Hoverboards. Yeah. And right. so I discovered this hoverboard. I brought, I, I had one in the US with me. I brought it back and I started riding it around. And everyone, like, I'm in the airport and people are just like, whoa, like breaking necks, right? Like, what is that guy riding on? So I'm like, I got to start selling these. So I created a Shopify store. You know, I'd spent maybe a few days building a store, yeah. took some photos. Yeah. 
and I printed out business cards where you could go buy them from my store. I found a supplier that can drop ship them for about $300 each. And I was charging $1,500 each. So every time I'd give out a card, I was selling maybe two or three hoverboards per week. And I was like, this is really interesting. How do I sell a thousand of these and make a million dollars, right? So long story short, I ended up getting connected with some influencers. I built a brand. Uh, we started selling a ridiculous amount of hoverboards. And then another kind of pivotal moment happened where I got the news that Mark Cuban was buying the patent on the hoverboard. I didn't have a patent on it. I was just getting it from China. And I was like, oh, this could be either really good or really bad. Hmm. And so, so I'm like, I need to get in touch with Mark Cuban. <laughs> and I'm like, well, how do I, I don't know how to get in touch with Mark Cuban. I don't know anyone that knows Mark Cuban. So I, um, I downloaded his app called Dust. It was a, an app where you can message with people and the messages disappear and they're encrypted. So I downloaded his app and I messaged him and he answered me. And he was basically like, I love the brand you built. I want to work with you, but you have to stop selling the knockoff Chinese hoverboards that you've been selling. Granted, this was in October, right? Right, right when Q4 was starting to take off. And I made the decision to stop selling so that I could partner with Mark Cuban. And uh, unfortunately, the, that deal never went through. But that's how I got into e-commerce. I started, that, that's, that, that was my entry point into the space. Um, yeah. How did you set up the platform? I mean, did you have people around you that helped you set up the, the Zendrop? Oh, Zendrop came down the line a little bit. That was, right. I wasn't quite there yet. Um, so I realized the potential of, e of selling online. I started going back out to mm. China, finding other viral products. And I was importing products. I was selling you know, to retailers. Um, I was at trade shows. We had booths at, at exhibitions. We, we were selling product all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then I discovered drop shipping where you can go find a supplier in China and essentially you could test, you know, you could run ads to 50 or 100 products, see whatever's profitable and then scale. I launched my first drop shipping store and it grew from zero to $2 million in its first 60 days. And that yeah, was right. like, that was a life-changing amount of money for me. Hmm. And uh, I, there's a, a kind of a cool story that goes along with that, where I started learning about how manifestation works and, and things like that. Um, but to answer your question about Zendrop, we built Zendrop essentially to serve the community that I had built. After dropshipping, I started teaching. I had courses, mentorships, you know, masterminds, half a million people on my email list. And um, supply chain for dropshipping was really challenging. Yeah. So we built Zendrop to serve that community. And it was right. uh, about five years ago now. Okay. So how does that work? Like what is dropshipping and, and how does your platform work to help? people that might be looking to do it. Yeah. So drop shipping is basically where you, you don't need to buy any inventory uh, yeah. and you can sell products and then the supplier ships them right to your end customer. Okay. So when I was drop shipping, uh, my store scaled really fast and I made all this cash and I was traveling. I was in uh, Southeast Asia and I had like three more days left in Thailand. And uh, my, my, one of my customer support agents, and, you know, I had, I had automated the business. I was spending maybe 20 or 30 minutes a day on it. And one of my support agents was like, hey, Jared, we found 50 tracking numbers that aren't working. And I'm like, you know, we're doing 2,000 orders a day. You found 50 tracking numbers. No big deal. Like, try to figure it out. Let me know. Next day, she's like, hey, we found about 150 tracking numbers that aren't working. And I'm like, eh, 2,000 orders a day, 150, like, no big deal. Next yeah. day, I'm, le I'm leaving Thailand to go back to the U.S. And she's like, hey, we found about 300 tracking codes that aren't working. And I'm like, eh, we'll figure it out, whatever. Long story short, I get back to the U.S. 
and discovered they, they found about 1500 tracking codes that weren't working. And then we started digging in and running scripts and trying to figure out what was going on. And we figured out that our supplier that was shipping out our products wasn't actually shipping out products. They were just giving me fake tracking codes that I was giving to my customers. And it was on 7,000 orders. So at 7,000 orders that I was selling on average for $50 a piece, plus I was spending about fifteen dollars to $20,000 a day on ads. So it was about a half a million dollar hit that I took from mm. that issue. And that's when I was like, I wish there was a, a really reliable supply chain option for dropshipping. Mm. And that's kind of where SendDrop started. But it took me about two and a half, three years from that moment before I actually decided to build it. Yeah. Yeah. No, so someone like me that doesn't know anything about drop shipping could jump on there and, and start an e-commerce business. Yeah. So you could, uh, we have in our catalog about a million products you could pick from. And if, if something's not on there that you want to sell, you, we source it within 24 hours. Right. And the cool thing, cool thing is that, you know, for example, you might be scrolling on Instagram and you get hit with an ad for like, a gadget or, you know, um, maybe it's like whatever, a piece of clothing that you see has a lot of likes or it's trending. You can literally go on Zendrop, add it to your store today and start running ads to it today without having to do any of the backend work. Mm-hmm. And then the really cool thing is that you can go pick, you know, 20 products or 50 products and spend $10 each, you know, on Facebook ads, see what's getting the lowest cost per click, the lowest cost per acquisition, and then scale that. So it allows you to, where a typical brand is limited in what they can sell. So they have to work really hard on the creatives and really hard to make people buy it. With drop shipping, you can try everything with no money up front, no risk. And then what works, then you double down on, then you build the brand out of it. And yes. with Zendrop, you can actually build a brand for products we drop ship with our facilities in China. So you don't mm. actually need buy a whole bunch of bulk inventory, ship it to the US, warehouse it, and then ship it from there. We can do all the branding for you in China where you buy a few pieces up front and we keep it in that warehouse and then we can ship it all over the world for you. So it's yeah. a much more effective way to find products that sell and uh, and be able to scale and sell it globally. Yeah, nice. Like it. So we can look into that at the, uh, the website there, zendrop.com, right? Yeah, zendrop.com. All the information's on there. Tell us, I mean, that's an incredible journey. Yeah, uh, 32 now, um, quite a bit of success um, in the rights and, and you know, getting into self-development now, helping other people, um, you know, talking about mindset, uh, routines and all those sort of things. I really want to get into that. And maybe some of the lessons, first and foremost, that you learned along your journey so far um, where maybe you derailed yourself. You know, you talked about that time where you felt a lot of stress. So you started doing a bit more of stress uh less sort of activities like meditation and things. Yeah. So there was one moment in my life that really put me down the trajectory of continuing to explore and try new things. Yeah. And it was, um, it was really cool. Actually. I was, I was living in Los Angeles with my now wife back then girlfriend mm-hmm. and you know, I was importing products from China. I was selling them. I was making enough money to live, but I wasn't really thriving. I was just kind of, you know, I was doing all right. I was working really hard. Uh, a friend of mine who is, uh, he's an ex NFL player, someone who I look up to, you know, mentor of mine. He's like, Hey, I'm going to this Tony Robbins event. You should come with me. And I was like, eh, I don't know about Tony Robbins, but sure. I'll go with you. Sounds fun. 
Anyway, we go, I go to this event. I learn a whole bunch about energy and it, it's really empowering. And we did an exercise where we basically did a meditation and we envisioned ourselves as someone else that really loves us and cares about us. So I picked my aunt, for example, because I know she's, she always wants the best for me. And you envision yourself as this person. And in the visualization, you're walking up to your future life. So you're walking up to your house. You're looking in the driveway. You're admiring the cars. You're walking into the home. You're admiring the pictures of your family, all the things that matter. You're, you're, you're admiring your future life. And you walk upstairs. You walk in the bathroom and you look in the mirror. And the whole time it was you. And it was really, really powerful exercise because I was able to really love my future self through the lens of someone else without sabotaging how I felt about myself. Then, Hmm. so then, so we did this exercise and I felt a little shift. I felt really amazing. The day after the event was over, uh, I was moving from Los Angeles to Florida. So I had about a five day drive. You know, I packed the U-Haul, put the dog in the car, me and my girlfriend at the time, wife now, get on the road. And I was driving and I had all these ideas bubbling up. Like things were just coming to me, like things that I never would have thought of. And I'm driving and I'm getting these ideas and I'm making phone calls. I'm like, hey, let's try this or let's try duplicating this ad set or, you know, all these different things started popping up, like just seeming, seemingly just came to me from the universe. And during that five day drive, my store was doing about, you know, five or $600 a day the first day. By the last day, by the day number five, the store was doing $50,000 a day. So it scaled astronomically fast. Now, I was like, this is too good to be true. You know, don't tell anyone about this. This is like, like, thank you. I'm very thankful that all this money came in, but like, there's no way this could continue. Fast forward about a month. I had continued doing about $50,000 a day every day, you know, stacking up cash and savings. And I got, uh, I had to drop my, my girlfriend off uh, to do someone's hair. She was a hairstylist. And I had like two hours to kill. So I was looking on cars.com. I saw this gray Lamborghini. I went to go look at it. I ended up buying it that day in cash and then driving it for like two weeks. And then I was, I realized that that car was the exact same car that was in the driveway when I did that visualization as my aunt. So I physically manifested something into my life. And Mm. that moment was, that was like the jump off point for me where I was like, I need to learn more about this stuff. I know there's more to us than what we're taught. And yeah, that was like my my jump off point. There's been a lot since then. Mm. So talk to us about manifestation. Um, not as just easy as thinking about something and then, there it is. I mean, you've worked hard to, you know, set up your your businesses and obviously you're very active and your mind's very active and you go, go, go. How do you manifest something? Yeah, so I think the the formula for manifestation is having a crystal clear vision and having discipline. And the problem is, you know, when people think about that, they're like, all right, what's my vision? And they're thinking and they can't really figure it out because they're in a low energetic state. So to get a vision, to understand what your vision is, the mm-hmm. first step is to get yourself in a high energy state, which could be go out for a 20 minute run or, you know, blast some music or, you know, go on a walk or, or do breath work or something that, that raises your energy up. And until you, you know, you feel really good. And from that, that state, now you can tap into your intuition and you can start to think, what do I want in life? And you, you just kind of let your intuition guide you to whatever that vision is. You know, over the, the years, my vision has become more and more, 
I want to get into this space. I want to be, you know, I want to be working on personal development things, sharing these messages, right? So the first step is get a crystal clear vision on what you want your life to be like. Yeah. You write it down, you know it, and it's something you got to think about every day. The second part is discipline. Discipline oftentimes is is undervalued by people uh, because when you tell yourself you're going to do something, right? Mm -hmm. Like let's say, let's use running for an example. Hey, I'm going to run 10 miles a week. Okay. Day one, you get up, you do it. Day two, your mind starts to get crafty. It starts to think of reasons why you shouldn't, but you could beat your mind the second day. Day three, your mind's like, all right, well, that didn't work. Let's figure out other ways to keep us comfortable, keep us where we are. And if you lose those battles, if you lose a battle to your mind and you don't go run, that subconscious part of you is judging everything going on in your life. And it starts to say, well, hey, you couldn't even get up and go for a run. Like, what makes you think you're worthy of doing these other things? Mm-hmm. Right. But on the on the flip side, if you do the 10 miles week one, week two, you wake up and your mind's like, oh, we're going to get sick. We're so tired. Blah, blah. And you're like, no, I don't need that right now. I got to keep moving forward. Your subconscious starts to shift. And say, hey, as a person, we can do the things we say we're going to do. We keep promises to ourselves, and your your confidence rises, which allows you to see opportunities that you would not be able to see without that level of confidence. So sticking to habits and disciplines allow you to build the confidence you need to gain those ideas and see those opportunities that drive you to your vision. So the formula is those two things, and it's really it's 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 getting the the feeling of what you know of your future self yep. whether that abundance or whatever that feeling is and once you get the feeling it's letting go because you can't keep you know hoping that the outcomes happen exactly how you want them to because they won't mm-hmm. right the universe is full of unlimited possibilities so if you're like oh this needs to happen then that needs to happen then this needs to happen and a few of those things don't happen and you judge that and you get discouraged you change your energy back to your old self now you're not going to get the the path you need. So it's getting the feeling and letting go plus discipline and, and vision. That's really the formula for manifestation. Like it. Well explained too. Visualization, what's your techniques there to, you know, obviously getting the idea of your future vision of yourself and where, where you want to go and what you want to achieve. How do you put that into a day-to-day practice? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And it's something that I've been, you know, focused on really the last five or six years. Yep. Um, and, and just to, you know, be clear, I've, I've tried it all, you know, I've done the meditations, the early morning runs, the song, I have a song on cold plunge in my house. I do this, that all the time. You know, I, I do, I've tried all the things and I'm pretty obsessed with efficiency, meaning what's the least amount of effort I can do for the most amount of output. And I've actually boiled down a habit. That's my favorite habit that has been really effective for me. And it's a, it's basically, it's a walking formula. So it's a walk and it's like 30 to 45 minutes long. It's broken up into five parts. Part one is you're opening your heart. So you're, you're, and, and you, get, you got music to go along with it. So you're on a walk. Your first part is you're bringing your attention right to the part of your middle of your chest and you're feeling energy in your heart. You can use, you know, a family member or your dogs or something that you love to spark that emotional feeling. You open your heart. Second part is you feel your power. So you're walking and you're feeling strong and you're feeling powerful and you're feeling like, you know, you're getting basically pumped up. The third part is a moment of totally letting go and being present. So you're just becoming aware of the space around you, of the trees, of the steps you're taking, et cetera. Fourth part is 
you feel connected to a higher power, whether you believe in God or the universe or whatever you want to call it, you start to feel connected. And then the last part of the walk is a celebration where you feel proud that you did this for yourself. You feel excited. And at that point, for me, I usually get goosebumps, which for me means that I've tapped into that feeling. I've unblocked my energy and I've gotten myself into a space where I'm really tapped into my intuition and my vision feels real as opposed to being in a low energy state where I'm just trying to think of a vision and I'm not actually putting emotion behind it. So that walking formula has been derived from many different practices and condensed into something that I think is you know super effective. Do you do that walk in the morning? Every day? Yeah, every morning. Every morning. Every morning, get for a walk. Okay, nice. Yeah. yeah, so that's the way you start your day. That's one of my morning habits. Yeah, that's my, mm-hmm. my favorite one, though, for sure. What else you got? I usually start my day. So we just had a newborn about uh, five weeks ago now. No, yeah. congratulations. So thank you. It's changed up things a bit. Yeah, but um, first thing before anything is I'll just do, you know, one or two rounds of breath work just to reoxygenate, you know, get present. Um, and I, you know, the specifics of the breath work doesn't really matter. There's many different things you could do. I do two rounds, sometimes three rounds of breath work where I'm, you know, taking deep breaths. I'm waking myself up, drink a bunch of water. Um, and then typically I'll do, um, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of meditation where I'm just mindfulness meditation. What's that? Mindfulness meditation, something like that. I've done different things over the years. Um, I'm, I'm pretty into like energy center stuff. So I'll, I'll focus on my different energy centers. Um, and while I'm doing that, I'm basically letting go of all the stresses that came from the day before. And I'm just trying to bring my awareness into the, the here and now, and just, you know, cultivating who I want to be for the day, essentially. Mm. So the, med- the the way you feel changes every day. Meditation goes deeper every, you know, some days it's deep, some days you can't get into it, but it's a great, you know, it, it starts the day off, right? You're also, starting to train your mind to and your body to listen to your highest self, right? Like you sit in a meditation, your mind's, oh, I should check my email. No, we don't need to do that right now. Or oh, my back hurts. I was like, you know, it doesn't hurt that bad. You're fine. And you're, you're, you're basically taming your wild mind first thing in the morning. So I'll do that. And then, you know, some days I'll do the sauna cold plunge, but I always do the walk. The walk is, is my favorite thing. Yeah, yeah. So really got good on those, those morning routines that wasn't something yeah. that you, you always were into so the, it, and it's changed right and it's still yeah. i always try different things but the important yeah, yeah. thing is that um every week on a sunday i'll plan out what i'm going to do for the week and i'll put you know i i do, I do uh like a reflection on sunday where i think about my previous week you know um i'll look at each day every meeting i had my and i'll i'll mark the behaviors that i wasn't so happy with so i'm aware of them and then i'll plan the week you know, first step in the plan is putting all the personal stuff in the morning routines, the workouts, what I'm eating. So I have a, you know, a, I'm not running into the next week with like, a, Oh, what should I do? And then you have to use a bunch of energy to decide what to do. And you have less energy for creation. So yeah. the morning routine changes, but I do plan it. So yeah. I am prepared so clear, to clear plan of the map for the new week ahead. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So very, very scheduled and that helps you be more efficient, right? It conserves your energy. Um, it gives you a more clear mind. Yeah. And when you have frameworks, it's a lot easier to, to win the internal debates because it's already decided. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm the type of person that if I don't have frameworks, I'll lose the debates inside. Like I'll, 
I'll convince myself not to go do something because my mind wants to scroll on YouTube or wants yeah. to, you know, just eat something and lay down or whatever mm-hmm. it is that my mind wants to do. But if I have the framework, it's like the the battle between my highest self and my mind, it's way easier to win because it's already planned and I don't have to like think about, you know, all the other things that I have to do. It's just like, oh yeah, just just do this. It's already planned. Yeah, I like that too. How do you overcome the, um, you know, the formation of those habits? Like you said, day one, you, you kick off motivated. Um, day two, whatever whatever the time frame is, you sort of, you wane, you get less and less and your mind takes over and you start negotiating with your mind of the things that you want to do, but you don't do. What were yes. your power habits to get through that? So I think a really important um, concept to understand when we're talking about this is that we are human. We won't be perfect. There will be things that we don't do that we said we're going to do. We, we will lose some battles. Mm-hmm. Just it's going to happen. Maybe some people more than others. What's more important than winning every battle is how fast can you get back on the train, right? Yeah. Because let's say you lose a battle. Now your mind just gained power. It's really a, an exchange of power between the mind that wants to keep you comfortable, wants to keep you safe. And it's, it's, it's looking out for your best interest, but it's the mind. It's a tool. So every time you lose a battle, you're giving your mind power from your true self. Every time you win a battle, you're taking the power back into your true self. But if you lose a battle and you don't rebound very quickly, let's say, you, you know, I, I didn't run yesterday. It's, it's Thursday. So let me just rest through the weekend. I'll start again Monday. You know, that's like a really easy way to, you know, basically justify not doing something. The key is how fast can you rebound? Okay, I messed up on Thursday. I'm getting right back on it on Friday because I'm not perfect. I'll mess up here and there. So the rebound rate, I would say, is just as important to comprehend as the sticking to your habits. And like the way I like to think about it is that, you know, as you're winning these battles, you're kind of, let's just say your growth is like a chart, right? And let's say you lose a battle, you plummet down. And, but if you, if you get right back on, you're starting right here, right? You're not like starting back at step one. But the longer you don't get back on it, the lower you start up again. So the the, the progress gets crushed. So if you can rebound cycle. quickly, you, yeah, yeah you, you keep the progress if you can rebound. And I think that's yeah. the important thing to understand. 100%. Yeah, I found that. Like, you know, I still do it where I, I let it slip for too long and it becomes much harder. But if you can get back on it straight away, yeah, it's a lot better. What yeah, about mindset? Also, Sorry, here you go. No, I was just going to say also like, you know, having the experience, like listening to something like this is great and it might motivate yeah. you, yeah. but having like feeling the experience of slipping off is an, it's an important part of the journey. Like you're going to have to experience these different dynamics to really understand at a deep mm. level. Mm. So, yeah. Do you like your mindset? I mean, you talk a lot about mindset. What, what do we do there to help improve the mindset other than, you know, forming good habits and the visualizations that you've already discussed? Yeah, I think, you know, mindset is one thing. Um, you know, uh, a good friend of mine, do you know Robin Sharma? He's the author of the 5am club and yeah. Monk. He teaches uh, a model where there's, you know, there's mindset, there's heart set, and there's health set. And there's another piece of it that I don't remember what it was, but your mindset is just one part of it. You know, you also need to have your, your health, right? If you're not doing things that are good for you, that make you feel good, it's really hard to have a good mindset. So if you're, mm-hmm. even if you have a great mindset, then you're going and eating McDonald's cheeseburgers every day. 
your energy is going to be depleted. It's going to be hard to have a good mindset. Or if you're, you know, not loving other people and receiving back love, it's really hard to keep a good mindset and they all work together. So I think mindset's one part of it and people really emphasize it. But I would argue that your health and your spiritual connection are just as or more important and they feed into your mindset. Yeah. So yeah, just, I would broaden that a bit. Do you have pillars like health, um, spiritual, spirituality, um, anything else there than, you know, relationships? Yeah. I mean, I don't personally like, you know, have any kind of tools to organize those things, but the way I do set up my habits and routines, they do, you know, hit all of those things. For example, on a health perspective, you know, I work with a longevity doctor and I do extensive blood work every quarter and, you know, do supplementation and diets and, you know, a whole bunch of things to try to improve my health and my energy. And, you know, that's just something that's baked into my routine. I, every Sunday I put all my supplements into containers. So on Monday, I just pop a container Tuesday, pop. I don't have to think about it. Right. So I'm setting up myself for the health, um, from a, a heart perspective, from a heart set perspective, that walk is a really powerful tool to open your heart and feel love and feel abundance. You know, having, it's funny uh, on my podcast today, I had someone on, we were talking about relationships and marriage and how, you know, the deeper you go into a relationship, the more and more it grows where you think you think you might get bored of someone, but if you really put in the work, it gets deeper and it gets better over time. So setting yourself up with the right life partner, someone to do life with, you know, having a good family routine, which I'm new to the family now because I just had my first kid, but, you know, setting, we're doing bath time every, every night at 7 PM and I do a bath with my son. So it's, it's really, you know, the, 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 the framework of it is the planning. Planning is very important and being organized and, and being like your life is, um, you're like, you're on a mission on Sunday. So you look at what did I do last week? What did I like? What I didn't like? And you take an hour or two hours on Sunday early in the morning and you write out everything you intend to do on the week and you put it in your calendar and you're Mm. now you're clear going into it and you include the mindset stuff, the heart stuff, the health stuff and so on in your plans for the week. You need to schedule that in your calendar or something like that. Yeah. I, when I schedule my calendar, I always start with my personal stuff first before work, because I know that if if I don't do that, then my work output is not as good. And realistically, it's like most people focus too much on work and mindless activity and not enough mm. on reflection and planning. Yeah, and I, I would argue yeah. to say that reflection and planning should take up as much or more time than the actual work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you that question, probably a, a question I can wrap things up on. But, uh, you know, the way around work and how you navigate that landscape, if you're someone driven like yourself, um, I know myself included work can take a lot of the priority and to step back and give myself a bit of me time, et cetera, you know, focus on the health and those sort of pieces can create a lot of stress going, well, hang on. I feel guilty now that I'm not putting in the work. You know yeah. what I mean? So how do you find balance in that? Because I do believe in trust the process and I get very stressed sometimes if the results aren't being seen, but I know if I come back to the drawing board and just do those things and tick those boxes, the results will come. Yeah, I, I get those same feelings and it's it's something that I'm working to move past because I know I you know I know where I need to be. But sometimes when, for example, my company now, we have about 45 people. Um, 
you know, I'm CEO, but I'm not really in the operation. So there's not much for me to like sit down and, and operate on. There's not much work for me to do. There are interactions with the leadership team, keeping people happy, keeping people motivated and inspired that I can do. There's not that much like, I can't really sit down for like eight hours and grind. I don't have that enough to do. Uh, so I'll, but because I came from a place, you know, my life experience, I didn't grow up in a, in a wealthy family with a, you know, a, a CEO dad who like figured all this stuff out. The part, part of me still believes you need to work really hard to succeed, which is true. You do need to work hard, but the key is, is that the planning and the stuff that makes you feel good, you know, you, one good idea is worth more than 10 not good ideas. Mm. And when you're in a state of, you know, my, I'm a very firm believer in that whatever energetic pattern you put out or vibration or whatever word you want to call how you feel as a baseline is what kind of thoughts you're going to manifest. So if you spend more time on the solitude, planning, thinking about your life, going on the walks, those ideas that you're rate, the energy that you're radiating out will pull in an equal level of idea. And that one idea can change the trajectory of everything. So if you're working all the time, you never get that one idea. You're just, you know, you're just grinding and you're swimming against the current. But oftentimes you don't see that you're swimming against the current. Oftentimes we have anxieties, like an ambient level of anxiety. We don't know where it's coming from because we have so many things going on and there's no way to clear that, right? It's just in there somewhere. But when you spend the time reflecting and spending time alone, you see where those feelings are coming from. You can let go of those feelings and you can change the course of what you're doing when you need to do it. Mm. So that's kind of how I would frame that that part of the conversation. Yeah, I like it. Spending more time in that, in that planning and reflection stage, uh, certainly something that I need to do more of. Um, and here's to progress, huh? Yeah, yeah. Just just planning, you know, putting the planning and reflection in your plans. Right? It's plans. like <laughs> you said, set two hours on a Sunday and yeah. don't do anything else. You can put on some music, get a cup of coffee, put your phone off to the side, get a notebook and just sit there for two hours, you know, and just let it come out, you know, mm. really most people have trouble with that because they're so used to when they don't have anything to do, they flick open their phone and then they're like, Oh, dopamine, dopamine hits like flick dopamine, flick dopamine. It's like, yeah, people do that all the time. It's it's ridiculous. Nowadays. Yeah. Jared, uh, really nice to connect with you. Um, Where can people reach out to you if they want to find out more or or just learn more about you? Yeah. You could follow me on uh, Instagram at Uh at Jared gets, I, I try to answer DMS as much as I could just to, you know, be there as a, as a human being. And, um, yeah, my company is called Zen drop podcast is called Zen hard podcast. And, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Like it. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you guys. Check it out. The hiddenwide.com until next time. Peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. 
You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon